I was working on this show, David, like right up until the moment that I just hit the cameras. Doing work right until the to the point. So you you were the guy that did your homework on the way to school or right right uh, before class. Man, there's just too much. There's just too much work. There's too much to analyze. There's just too much I want to dive into and talk. It's about. been a busy week, man. You got another game tonight too. I know. I mean, I listen. I'm tired. I can't imagine what the players feel like. <laughs> But it's good. I didn't think I could be this happy about three and three. Right. Well, I think you're liking what you're seeing too. Like the results are pretty good for what we've seen, you know, personnel wise. But I think the play, especially as of late, uh, has been a nice little surprise. Daniel mm. joining us on the chat saying, David with some new headphones, no AirPods. What's even, what's even happening? These are my other ones. So, yeah, I've got, I can put, I mean, if it's more comfortable for everyone, I can put the AirPods back in. Uh, yeah, you're making everyone very uncomfortable right now. Very nervous. You know, one thing I did forget to do is turn down some of these clips we're going to play. They get too, they're too hot. It's Steve Clifford. He's too hot on the mic. I'll have to do it on the fly. Good morning, quote. What up, Nest? Double M15 in the house. Everybody's in the house right now. We got Double M15. We got Quote. We got Danny. I think we're ready to start the show. What do you say? Do it. Do it. David will be right back. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. I'm Doug Branson. There's David Walker. He's back. <laughs> That's quite an entrance you made there, David. I wanted to just come swooping in. You swooped. You successfully swooped. Uh, I'm Doug Branson. We are live from the Gittimer.com studios here in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. And we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. Let's get into this, David. We got a big show. We got to talk about this weekend in action a loss to the Rockets, a win against the Orlando Magic. We've got a game tonight against the uh, Memphis Grizzlies in Memphis, the first back-to-back on the season for the Charlotte Hornets. So let's catch up with some thoughts on this weekend in Hornets action. Friday, the Hornets dropped one to the Rockets. The story in this one was three-pointers. Hornets came into this one defending the three-point line a lot better. The Rockets came into that game on Friday not shooting the ball particularly well from three, shooting a lot of three-pointers, 42 per game but just not knocking them down. But that got flipped around. Uh, what did you see in that one? Uh, the, the, I'm sorry, Doug. I totally zoned out. <laughs> it's Monday hi, morning. Ask hi, me that question welcome, one more time. Uh, welcome to the show, David Walker. <laughs> so the Rockets uh, the Rockets were knocking down threes in this yeah, one. Man. That was the story of the game. What did you see in that Rockets loss? 
Yeah, well, we talked about a little bit beforehand how they had not been shooting the ball actually that well for from three for this season, and they certainly remedied that in Charlotte. I mean, they were launching from all over the place, and they were just falling. I, I thought the Hornets didn't play a particularly bad game, but look, if the Rockets are going to hit that many threes with that much efficiency, it's going to be tough to beat them even when you have your best night. And I don't think the Hornets played up to their best ability, but they played you know, good enough to win at home, but the Rockets just came in with too much firepower. That's what I saw. I mean, there was a couple other little things, but to me, the three-pointers were, were the biggest thing. I mean, James Harden, every time the Hornets would get close and make a little push, it was Eric Gordon or James Harden or Ryan Anderson hitting a big three from, from deep a lot of times. And so that was just too much for the Hornets, I thought. Yeah, down four going into the fourth quarter in a game where, you know, Eric Gordon gets 38 minutes. Uh, Hart, they only played eight players. I mean, that was essentially for the Rockets because they were dealing with injuries. It was essentially a Western Conference playoff type of game for them in terms of minutes played. So when you're having to deal with their starters that much and James Harden and Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson are are have that ability to get shots off from anywhere off the dribble and knock them down, it's just going to be tough to beat them on any night. It doesn't matter if you're the Hornets or the right. Warriors, I think. It's going to be tough to beat them when they're knocking down those kinds of shots. Uh, one more note from this game. Dwight Howard got Clint Capella into foul trouble in this one, and Dan Tony decided to go small basically because he had to. He had no choice without Nene or Ariza to dispense. What did you think about Clifford's decision to stay with Dwight Howard in the fourth quarter, asking this to the chat as well here on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash locked on Hornets. You can watch us live uh, most mornings at eight o'clock a.m. Uh, join us on the chat. So, David, what did you think about the decision to stay with Dwight Howard, even though the, the Rockets went small? Because there were some people that, that didn't like that decision. I just think Howard was such a force in there and he was creating things for other people in a way that just he was creating attention and he was obviously dominating the boards. So I I get it. I mean, it's tough when the free throws are going to be an issue as well. But I think that's something even Rick Bunnell said in the preseason was that and this is when everyone was healthy. But, you know, he thought that they were going to stick with Howard late in games as well um, because Clifford does trust him so much. And I think that's what that comes down to. You've seen a couple of times where Howard's even been in a bit of foul trouble early on. Clifford stuck with him and he's certainly sticking with him late in the game. So I just think he likes what he brings. And we've seen that a lot from Clifford. If he's got somebody that's given him something, whether it's on defense particularly, uh, that's going to help the overall effort of the team, he's going to stick with them. So specifically for Dwight, I just thought he was such a force in that game. And I realize you've got a bit of a situational scenario there. But to me, uh, he was too good almost. He was too good to take off the floor, I think. A situational scenario. I like That's right. (laughs) Oh, going with the blank mug. Not even, nothing on that uh, What does it got on there? I can't. It's too hot. You can't. The light faded. is too hot. What does it say? It says you rock. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's a good so. Monday morning motivation. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so here's my thing on on Howard in the fourth quarter, okay? I like the word you used, building trust, right? Because this was a game that was going to be tough to win regardless. So why not go with the guy that you you need to build up trust with? You know, you need to build up his his confidence in his role with the team. And honestly, David, I didn't see anything from Frank Kaminsky or Johnny O'Brien 
earlier in the game that signaled to me that they were going to have any better shot at guarding Ryan Anderson or Luke Mbamute or anyone else that they were going to throw at the at, at the two big positions because they were playing so small. It just didn't look like they the Hornets really had any other choice. So why not just go with the why not just go with the guy that, as you said, was a force inside, was giving them a rebound. You know, the only thing is it turned it into a game of twos versus threes. But I just don't see that fourth quarter turning out much differently if you had Frank Kaminsky in the game in that position. Yeah, and you could really see Dwight concentrating on some of these rebound and putbacks, you know what I mean? Like, he was not shying away from the line at all, but I think he was doing all he could to gather, take contact, and at least try and get that that bucket for for the and one, you know, make the field goal on the foul. He's really trying to concentrate and, and make those – so that he doesn't have to get all the points at the free throw line. But he's been pretty fantastic. I mean, on the boards, nobody's stopping him there. Uh, as So far in this season, he looks explosive. And, yeah, in that game, man, he was um, – I, I, I do wonder if it has anything to do with not, – not the revenge factor, but we know how Dwight wanted to beat Atlanta. I think he continued to want to beat Houston, you know, some of his former teams. So He's played, really he's played, played them all now except for the Lakers. That's right. Uh, let me just say, let me just say this because I've seen a lot of commentary on various social media outlets about Dwight Howard so far. Very early in the season, by the way, six games in, some small sample size theater going on, but a lot yeah. of complaints about his turnovers, a lot of complaints about his points per possession on his post up opportunities, and to me, David, and you tell me if I'm wrong here. But I feel like complaining about those things when he's getting a double-double every night, scoring pretty efficiently overall, and dominating the boards most every night for the Charlotte Hornets, getting a lot of offensive rebounding and putback opportunities, a lot of second-chance opportunities for the Hornets. Complaining about those other things is like going to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory and complaining about bathroom cleanliness. Like, like, sure, like, sure, the bathroom should be clean, but you're at a, you're at Willy Wonka's magical chocolate factory. Okay. There's candy there that can turn you into a blueberry. This is an amazing place. It turns mean people into blueberries. Like, just enjoy the candy. Enjoy the experience. I'm I'm with you, Doug. And I'll say this. I want more commentary on the chocolate factory. Stay with my analogy. Don't go away from it. I just, we've got to get away from the take of, hey, someone needs to really work with Dwight on his free throws. Like this is, okay, this is year what? year? This is year 14. 14. Okay. Uh, We know this is a thing. Hashtag enjoy Um, the candy. (laughs) <laughs> enjoy the chocolate hashtag. Don't worry about the bathrooms. And, <laughs> you know, first of all, he is working on his free throws. They clearly have someone working on his free throws at this point in the game. It, it's obvious to me that these are mental things. I mean, Dwight Howard is never going to be a great free throw shooter. I do think he's going to shoot better than he is shooting right now for his career. He's, he's a better shooter than he's showing right now, but it's still not going to be anything that's going to blow you away. So either you've got to accept some of these little flaws um, with Dwight Howard in his game that are there and that have always been there. And at this point, probably aren't going anywhere and say, this guy is dominating the boards. He's giving you a double double just about every night. He's been about as good as you could have hoped for. And, and I just think his difference when he's on the court versus when he's not, what he's given this team on defense, you can see it in the stats. I mean, yeah, you've you got to stop nitpicking 
uh, what Dwight Howard has given you in his 14th year. Okay, let's move on. We've talked enough about this Rockets game. Let's move on to the victory last night by the Charlotte Hornets. They get the win. Uh, final score, 120-113 to 113 over the Orlando Magic. Uh, Kimba Walker's greatness, the story of this one, David. Great game, 34 points, 10 assists, uh, six rebounds. Was a triple-double threat there for a while. The rebounds dried up in the second half. But, you know, <laughs> this is, what, his seventh uh, game against Orlando in his career of 30 or more points. He's had two 40-point games. He just He just gets up for the Magic. Yeah, and we talk about it all the time when another team has a superstar and that guy is just better than everyone else on the floor. Kimba was that, that guy. And yeah, Kimba was that guy last night. And sometimes that's good enough to get you a win. And the Magic made a push of this thing, Doug. I mean, shoot, they're a four and one coming into the game. Um, so they've been playing pretty well. And Kimba Walker was just, you know, the best guy on the floor last night, wasn't going to have it and took a lot of things, uh, you know, in his own hands. And And that's that's really fun to see when when it's cooking, and he was he was cooking last night. Yeah, J Dog here uh, on on the email buzz buzz at lockedonhornets.com. If you want to send us your emails and thoughts, we'll read them on the show. J Dog J Money here saying pretty amazing to have a player that can carry a team like Kemba Walker has six games this year. His performance has been MVP esque conversation wise. Not saying he is a legit candidate yet. It is unfortunate we have to lean on him so heavily, though. I know the choices are extremely limited, but the plan to run the second unit until they mess up enough to put him back in is just unsustainable. David, yes, in the second quarter and the fourth quarter, he was subbed in fairly early on to help uh, bandage a second unit that really was discombobulated offensively and struggling defensively as well. He finishes the game plus 22. He came in in those two important stretches that I just mentioned, And uh, Orlando, like Houston, tried everything that they could think of. They threw the kitchen sink at him. They tried DJ Augustine. That didn't work. Then they put somebody taller on him and Jonathan Simmons. Simmons. That didn't work. Then they tried switching every single pick and roll, which we saw a lot last year. Teams would start to switch on Kemba and, and shut things down. But what we're seeing now is that Kemba has has Dwight, who's also drawing attention. He's got shooters that are knocking down three-point shots in, in Jeremy Lamb. Marvin's getting, getting off to a better three-point start than he did last season, especially in the corner. That's been a change for Marvin. He's moved more into the corner, and he's knocking three-point shots down. So we're seeing some changes that are really hurting teams' ability to take Kemba Walker completely out of the game. And David, I want to go back to your your first point. We're seeing the Hornets be able to do to the opposition what we've seen teams like Cleveland and Boston and Golden State do to to the Hornets, which is put your best player in with the rest of the bench and, and and use that player effectively to dominate the other team's bench. That's what you know. Kimba coming in at the beginning of or like eleven or a minute into the fourth quarter. And absolutely dominating yeah. for a stretch, hit like three straight buckets. So that's yeah, that's, that's impressive to see. Yeah, eleven points in that fourth quarter and was just on fire. And we got a little shimmy there, Doug. I don't know if you saw it from where, from your seats, oh, but uh, the shimmy it was a little. <laughs> it was slow. See, I can't. I don't have his rhythm. He's a dancer. I don't have his rhythm. But it was a. Oh, does he dance? He does. Okay. Yes. Little known fact. I Actually, well, well, no, it's it's still little known nationally. I think. He dances. <laughs> but he has here's the thing. He has fun on the court. And this is something that uh Dwight Howard mentioned uh, after the game, how much fun 
Kimba Walker has on the floor and what effect that has on him. And Dwight's have, and as we've already mentioned, Dwight Howard having an effect on the rest of the team. It was the subject of our latest edition of Inside the Locker Room from last night. Let's take a short break and listen to that. He brings a level of confidence to your group just because he's such a force in there. You know, I mean, I think they look around and say, you know, I mean, he made four or five plays tonight that there's only three or four guys in this league that can, you know, can make. You know, he's opening up so many other aspects of my game. And, you know, he just, he attracts so much attention and he he gets other people open. And I don't know if he knows how much, how much, you know, he, 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 he helps us. And then that's the one thing that I like, you know, just having, you know, somebody like, you know, Kimba who uh, has that same type of drive as me, but also is going to enjoy himself on the floor. And it makes the game a lot easier. And uh, you play better that way. You know, we're both players that, you know, when we're not uptight and we're not playing tense and angry, you know, we play good basketball. So some interesting stuff there, David, from uh, Coach uh, Steve Clifford, Kemba Walker, and Dwight Howard. The the point there at the end that Dwight Howard enjoys playing with a a st- another star on his team that enjoys playing the game doesn't have to get angry, doesn't have to get tense, and right. and he may be I don't know that that might be a subtle uh, subtweet of some former players that he's played with like. Kobe Bryant, who sure. needed to get intense, needed to get angry. What is that dark muse? <laughs> I just <laughs> in his muse cage. Where did that go? God, we had so much fun with that. Bring that back. That did that. Yeah, did the dark muse get back. canceled? Did did weird um, alternate universe Sesame Street get canceled, David? <laughs> I mean, you can see it on Dwight's face though when he's playing, <laughs> and uh, things are going well right now. Um, and he and Kemba are just learning from each other too, but you're starting to see with other guys. I mean, how about the lob from lamb last night? There's a couple of possessions where uh, Dwight's just rolling to the rim and, and guys are finding him. Right. So that's working across the board. But yeah, I think you look back over Dwight's career and it's probably back to Orlando and in Jameer Nelson when he had, you know, that type of point guard. Cause other than that, it's been James Harden. It's been, um, you know, Kobe dominating the ball in, in LA. So I think this is James a Harden was more of an introvert, both on and off the court. That's the thing. Like mm-hmm. Kimba and Dwight, kind of different personalities off the court. Uh, I think Dwight more of an extrovert, a little goofy, likes yeah. to interact with people. Kimba more, you know, sort of internal, but on the court, uh, both of those guys having a lot of fun. I think that's important. I uh, got a question here from the from the live chat. Uh, when everyone is healthy. Who will get more minutes, Dwayne Bacon or Travion Graham? This is this is actually a really interesting mm. question and probably only a question you're going to get dealt with uh, here on Locked on Hornets. And it's an interesting question because both of those players are getting, um, getting compliments from the head coach unprompted. He's just, you know, and, and it's, it's probably – Something that I expected more for Travion Graham because we've seen that in the past, but Dwayne Bacon being a yeah. rookie and you know just coming in and having the poise that he's shown, the defense not dropping off from his position when MKG leaves and he becomes the first sub on the floor, being comfortable with the starters. But then you go to Travion, and that was Steve Clifford's player of the game 
last night because of the defense and the poise that he showed uh, on offense and defense, especially in that third quarter when things were starting to fall apart. He was one of the players that didn't fall apart. So I think that's going to be a very interesting question. Who gets more playing time, David? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I would have initially said Travion. I mean, we know how much Clifford mm-hmm. likes him and has praised him really since he's been here, even when the guy was fighting for a roster spot, which he kind of was up until, you know, right now. Um, but Dwayne Bacon has been so much better than advertised. And so I, I it's, you know, I, it's a lot of the stuff situational. I think both of them are in good, good shape though. I mean, certainly you like what Bacon is bringing with his confidence on an offense, but man, Travion brings a little something that this team needs. And like that little, uh, you know, it's got a little dog in him. You know what I mean? He's, he's a fighter. And I think Clifford likes that. Travion a little gives, gives the team a little bit more size, but Dwayne Bacon, I think, has the potential to be a really good offensive player. So I think that's going to be a big determining factor yeah. in this. Can can Dwayne Bacon shake a little bit of this cold streak that he's found on the three-point line? But I think he definitely has the higher upside in terms of his offensive ability. But both of them rebounding the ball really well. Eight rebounds for Dwayne Bacon. And it's just so he's just so athletic, David. And he he just has a nose for the ball and he gives an effort. I mean, he was beating guys like you know, Fournier and Jonathan Simmons, he was beating those guys to rebounds uh, last night, and it really helped the Hornets out, especially, uh, again, in that third quarter when they allowed 37 points to the Magic. It it, it could have gotten even worse. And both Trevion yeah. and Dwayne Bacon stepped up in, in certain plays and, and made it happen uh, for the Hornets. So, yeah, I think yeah. the one thing, like you said, a little bit more of the offensive game. And, and, and to me, I think back, to some of these like end of shot clock possessions when the ball mm-hmm. swings around. And I think you'd rather have Dwayne Bacon, maybe taking that last shot or looking to make a move. Not that Travion has been bad. I just think a little more of a strength of bacon. And if he could develop that a little bit more on his offensive side, when everyone's healthy, that may be the more offensive option. And I think one that could spread the floor a little bit more because you're not yeah. seeing Travion take really any outside shots. Dwayne Bacon, not afraid to fire those up. Question here from Quote no. on the chat, David. Are we worried? Game six, are we worried about Malik Monk yet? Uh, one of no. eight from the field in this one. Didn't get to 18 minutes. 0 of three from beyond the arc. Had some open shots. Didn't get to the free throw line at all. Uh, minus eight on the night. Three assists, but I-, I thought David looked, even though three assists... I thought he looked uncomfortable at the point guard position. Mm-hmm. He's kind of up and down, has a has a good game where he feels comfortable, and then and then this one where you know him and Johnny O'Brien both just could not get in any yeah. kind of rhythm. You know when you're talking about um, the ball movement stuff that they do, the dribble handoffs, it all it requires timing. It requires knowing where you're supposed to be, and it just didn't seem like either of those guys could really get on the same page last night. Yeah, and he had some trouble even with Cody out there as well a couple of times, yeah. um, you know, working on that spacing too. So that's it's just a timing thing. It's mm-hmm. just a rep thing. Um, but yeah, that's what it's going to be like, I think, for Malik. As long as they're asking him to play the point guard position, it's going to be tough. I mean, you know, he's going to have ups and down games. It, well, it'll be interesting to see when they get everybody else healthy and maybe they can move him a little more off ball, even though they've said they're going to have to play him some there too. I just, we've talked about it, Doug. It's just a lot for this to ask of this guy. And, um, 
right now. Yeah, and it's it's decision making and it's feel for the game. Like there was one uh, drive that he had, and I thought he was wide open uh, for for at least it would have been a contested layup. He probably would have taken some contact, may have gotten fouled, and he decided to swing it back. And the, the Magic just read that all the way, and and it was a turnover, and they took it to the other end. So it's yeah. it's it's plays like that. But then I got to thinking, like, look, you don't fall to 11th, I don't think, if if you're a player that's going to come in and immediately dominate. 6'3 shooting guard. I mean, that's that's what that's what the draft was. Right. So so I just I, I mean, obviously, the shooting is kind of up and down. Um, you know, I don't think that. I I went back and looked at Steph Curry's game log and he wasn't a monster three point shooter his his first year at all. I just I I think this it's tough, I think, for fans because there was um there was a thought that Malik Monk was a plug and play type player, that he was going to be an immediate contributor, and maybe that was unfair to say that about Malik Monk at at the time. But I think there's just going to have to be patience and we're going to have to see what Malik Monk is once everyone is healthy and and there's somebody on the second unit to distribute the basketball and it's not completely on him to do that. Yeah, and it feels like he's trying to shoot himself into a comfort zone at sometimes, Doug. I mean, he likes to shoot. He, he's looking to shoot, but it almost feels like to me he's taking some of these shots in hopes of seeing them go in and that will help him settle down a little bit. And the shots are just, for the most part, are not falling right now. You know, he had a good game against... Uh, Marty forgetting games, Doug. He had a breakout game, you know, uh, over this against last Denver. week. Yes, against Denver. Thank you. So I think uh, that's just, it's just going to be up and down. Matthew, though, Matthew has the counterpoint here, and I think this is a fair counterpoint. Matthew saying Cliff keeps saying he has to play point guard to be good. He's a point guard in Cliff's mind. We have to stop talking like he's a two, and this is just due to injuries. I think that that's fair, but I I think that. He he does have to become a point guard, I think, or or at least a Kimball Walker Play type minutes there, a, a, a Kimball Walker type point guard where he where he plays a, a majority of his time off ball with a distributor like Nick Batum beside him, but but he has to become that. I don't think that he was drafted to be that on day one. I think that's Mm-mm. that's the difference in my mind. Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, more of like a. a um you know, Jamal Crawford type guy, maybe, um, or like an Eric Gordon. I mean, really, I mean, that's mm-hmm. a guy who's a little bit smaller stature, certainly bigger, uh, or, you know, uh, God bigger than, I mean, than he was, I, yeah. I feel like it was, it was a similar type of situation when Eric Gordon came out as well. I think it's going to be both though. I don't think it's going to be exclusive. I mean, that's what I took from Clifford's comments is that he's got to be able to play both of those positions to, to really give himself a chance at longevity. Okay, let's move on, David. We got to talk about trick or trend. This is our segment in honor of Halloween. It's something we do every year. Uh, David and I each have stats. We're going to throw it throw it at each other and say, "Is this going to continue? Is this a trend, or is it a a trick? Are we being tricked by these stats, these small sample sizes?" David, kick us off. Doug, right now, I mentioned it earlier, Dwight Howard shooting a career worst 36% from the free throw line. Never known as a free throw. (laughs) Never known as a free throw shooter. And certainly that's been something that's looked bad in Hornets fans' eyes. And I'm sure Dwight's not happy with it either. But Doug, do you think that stays there? What was the what was the actual I was focused on hitting the uh, drop? What was the actual number? 
Thirty-six percent. No, it's going to get high, it's going to get higher than that. I, it, you know, this is it's it's early in the season. I, I think if he can, you know, get to fifty percent, you know, sixties the ceiling. Sixty percent's the ceiling. Mm. It's got to it's got to get higher than thirty-six. Like I don't want to complain about the free throws this early on when, but I don't think I also don't think that he's going to put up these uh, rebounding numbers either. Actually, that's my first trick or trend. Dwight Howard's rebounding at so I think that that one is a is a trick. I think it's going to get higher, but, but my next one is connected to this Dwight Howard's rebounding average 16.2. That would be a career high by nearly two rebounds over his 2011, 2012 season. His 4.5 offensive rebounding average would also be a career high. Is that a trick or is that a trend? The rebounding numbers of 16, you say? Yes. Hmm, man, it's been, it's been, Pretty awesome to see, but if you look back over his career, especially the last seven or eight years, it's in that 12, 10 to 12 range. So you got to think at some point that sinks back down. But I, I just, I don't know. I mean, they're asking so much of him on the boards right now. And I think when they get some guys healthy, that maybe they may take a few of those away. Um, so a bit of a, a bit of a trick there, I suppose. But I don't, I mean, it's not going to fall much further than, you know, 13 or 12, I don't think. I, I think I think you're 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 correct. It is it is a trick. I think it's some some early season uh, uh, high averages, but at the same time, he's playing. He looks healthy. Looks happy. He's he's. Tr- Did you see him uh, guard the perimeter at one point in that yeah. Orlando game last night? Yeah. <laughs> Guarding guards, he just looks motivated. He looks uh, like he's just ready to go out and and dominate the world again. And uh, I think. Uh, very, very disappointed. Yeah, Rich coming in. Very disappointed. Dwight only got ten rebounds last night. <laughs> Damn yeah, you, man. Dwight! Only ten rebounds. How dare you? Um, okay, Kimball. My next trick or trend is going to be Kimball Walker, sixty-one point nine percent true shooting. Mm. That's high. That's top among guards. That's top fifteen. I think it's eleventh in the league. Sixty-one point nine percent true shooting. That would be a career yeah. high by nearly 10%. <laughs> well, that doesn't seem like you think that's a trend there, Doug, but I'm going to take the overall theme of that. I think this is trending up for Kemba. Uh, he's taking another step towards becoming an elite point guard in my eyes. Nights like last night are going to go a long way to that. I think he's playing very well so far for this season, and he's being a leader. And you mentioned he and Dwight playing off of one another. But um, you look at some of his other numbers, his free throw percentages are up, three-point percentages are up again this year. Um, just overall field goal percentage is up a tick right now. So it's early on and uh, still a long way to go. And I think he's got – when they get some of these guys back healthy and he can take a few more minutes off, save some of these legs a little bit, that's going to help him. But they're asking so much of him right now, and um, I, I think he's moving upward. So I'm going to say trend, and that may be crazy because uh, you mentioned the disparity between the rest of his career and that number for this year. But – I'm just liking what I'm seeing from Kimba right now. But that's David, that's what's required if he wants to get into that all NBA level. We said it was going to take a better three point shooting percentage. He's doing that. It's going to take a better assist rate. He's doing that. He's got yeah, the sixth best too. Yeah, sixth best net rating in the league, averaging six point five assists and forty one percent from beyond the arc. So yeah, I think it's a he's trend. He's the as best well. guy. I, I mean, obviously we're biased a little bit here, but I think he's the been one of the better guys that literally no one is talking about because you don't hear much about Kimball Walker across the rest of the NBA right now. All right. You got one more for me. Yeah, man. 
Uh, right now, the Hornets are 24th in points per game. That was prior to last night. So their scoring is a bit down across the league. Do you think that stays there, Doug? Trick or trend? I think that's a trend. Mm. You don't see that scoring getting any better when uh, Batum returns and some of these guys get healthy. I don't, I just, I, well, uh, the only thing is I just don't, I don't see them having offensive firepower this season. I I don't think that they have the, I don't think the three point shooting is going to uh, bring that average up enough. I think that's why they have to be a top five defensive team in order to have success. Uh, I I don't think, yeah, I I love Lamb's uh, contribution so far uh, in terms of the consistency and scoring. Um, but you know, can they stay, you know, it's like once they get all these guys back, but can they still stay healthy through the season? I think we have to see that as well. I'm just, I mean, maybe if Kimba Walker and Dwight Howard can get that lob going every game and, and, you know, lamb continues to contribute off the bench, like he is contributing in the starting lineup, then maybe, but, but I think this team still has to focus on being top five top five in defense and then maybe, you know, 10 to 15 in offense in order to have sustained success uh, this season. One more for you, David, uh, because I really want to talk about Jeremy Lamb. Uh, So just what I mentioned there, 15 or more points in six straight games, is that a trick or trend? (laughs) Uh, I think that's a bit of a trick just because when some of these guys get back and healthy, I'll be curious to see how those minutes uh, stay for him, but he's been pretty good. He's been a lot better than I could have thought, uh, you know, given his last couple of years so far this season. So all hail to Jeremy Lamb. Still has a few lapses here and there on on, on defense, and you'll see the frustration from Cliff and, and plays like that. But as far as producing on offense consistently, points-wise, uh, he's, he's given them what they asked for, I think. But a bit of a trick to have that sustained over the course of the season, I think. Yeah, he's also giving them something that that we didn't expect that they didn't ask for, and that's passing. And uh, Steve Clifford after the game saying that uh, he's a he's a good passer, and people in practice know that. And maybe the rest of the NBA will will catch up to that fact. Here's Steve Clifford after the game. In our in all the preseason um, scrimmages, inter squad, he was the leading assist guy. He can pass. Plus, he's big. He's big. So that's the other thing I think as the year goes on, you'll see. Seven assists against Orlando, and you're seeing a couple of them there. Though there's Kemba screening like he's Steph there, digging down into the free throw line and screening, and then but look at got, and look at yeah, he's using Dwight like he that's two or three times last night. He 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 was able to find Dwight you know on lobs, so I think that's helping him. And, and he's making different kind and watch, watch this decision making. Okay, he decides to get it to Kemba there to the mm-hmm. wide wide open Kemba Walker trailing instead of taking it himself. I mean, he's showing a level of decision making with his pass that he hasn't before. There's the second lob to Dwight. So making much better decisions on the pass. I think he still has to clean up some of these smaller issues on defense and rebounding to become the the all the, the sort of max out his all-around player ability that he's starting to to tease us with. Uh there's a few there's still a few moments in the game, David, where he makes Steve Clifford say the the big drop the big old JC in frustration. <laughs> So, you know, if he can clean those things up, then all of a sudden you're talking about a huge threat off the bench uh, for the Charlotte Hornets. Okay, real quickly before we get out of here, I got to preview tonight's game again against Memphis. They'll tip off tonight at 8 o'clock p.m. This is their first Sega Baba, their second game of a back to back. The Grizzlies sit at 5 1, best record in the NBA. 
and this will be their first game against an Eastern Conference opponent. David, what do we know about the Memphis Grizzlies? Well, Doug, stop me if you've heard this before or if any of this sounds familiar, but their offensive numbers won't blow you away. They shoot a lot of free throws. They <laughs> don't foul a lot. And grind. <laughs> they're grit and grind. You know, but I mean, you look at a lot of these numbers and they're very similar to what we've seen from the Hornets so far. Mm-hmm. 22nd in points per game. Uh, they don't allow their opponents points per game to get that high third in the league. Mm-hmm. They play a pretty slow pace, 30th. <laughs> um, their strength of schedule has been up there seventh, but they're still led by Gasol and Conley. I mean, Gasol is playing about 34 minutes a night, 40% from three, Doug. So we talked about, you know, some of the big guys Dwight's faced over the last week or two that could get out and stretch the floor. Gasol is a guy that can get out there and make some threes. It's going to challenge Dwight to stay with him a little bit out there. Probably not going to beat him off the dribble or anything like that, but 22 and 10 for Gasol on the season. And when he gets to the line, he's converting 84% of those. So, I mean, he's a dynamic player at that center position. Um, That's going to be another tough matchup for Dwight tonight. So we'll see those rebounding numbers can, can stay up where he's had them. After talking to Brad Rowland and some other people around the Atlanta Hawks organization and watching a ton of tape uh, on Atlanta, you know, in, in anticipation of Dwight Howard playing for the Charlotte Hornets, David, I was expecting him to struggle against some of these stretch fives yeah. and, and have some issues. But he's shown not only a, a willingness, but a, an ability to guard above the free throw line. He's going to have limitations because of his size, but he's just looked quick and athletic enough to hang in there. And, and you know, look, they eased up on Vucevic and kind of got lucky last night because Vucevic is a, came into the game shooting 45% from three, missed his first four shots, and they were, you know, they were sagging Dwight Howard deep, letting Vucevic get those shot opportunities, and they may let Gasol try to get a couple before they get more aggressive with him and, and, and just try to roll the dice. Uh, but when mm-hmm. Dwight Howard has gotten switched on to smaller guards uh, um, through the pick and roll, he's been able to hang in there. So that's been impressive. Uh, here's something to know about Memphis. 5-0 and when their bench outscores the opposing team's bench. They've got Chandler Parsons, Tyreek Evans, Mario Chalmers all coming off the pine. Those are all players on a comeback tour right now. Plenty of motivation. All players that used to be starters on some pretty good basketball teams and they are playing better than some of the Grizzlies starters right now. Let's uh, some of these names like James Ennis, Jarrell Martin, Andrew Harrison. Those are guys that are starting for the Memphis Grizzlies when they have Chandler Parsons, Tyreek Evans, Mario Chalmers. And it all goes back to this idea, David, that we've been talking about with the Charlotte Hornets, which is, you know, starting doesn't it doesn't matter as much these days right. because some teams really want to start with that intense defense to knock their opponent off their stride and then bring in their offensive firepower to face the other team's second unit. And that's exactly what Memphis is going to do. Look, the bench, we heard it from Steve Clifford last night, the bench has got to play better and and they're going to be tested and, and it might test Steve Clifford in terms of who he's you know, his substitution patterns, I think that'll be an interesting thing to watch, like who he leaves out there when they do get Parsons and Chalmers and Tyreek Evans, who is playing much more efficiently than than we're used to seeing from him and knocking down his three-point shot as well. It'll be interesting to see who he leaves out there and what kind of defense he gets from the second unit. 
Yeah, and a couple of league-leading free-throw stats here for you, Doug. The Memphis Grizzlies shoot 31 a game. That's tops in the league. The Hornets only allow 16 per game, also tops in the league. So something's got to change there. We'll see how important the free-throw attempts are for for this game. But, you know, Memphis is going to make you work, Doug. So that's when we talk about guys like Lamb, when we talk about some of these rookies that are playing big minutes, that's where the concentration comes in on both sides of the floor. And if you make a mistake, Memphis is, you know, is more than likely going to make you pay. So that's going to be a tough one going into there. They're five and one for a reason. They play some, some good basketball and they play some tough basketball. And that's been some of the struggles when we've seen Clifford get frustrated with guys. It's when some of the stuff breaks down, you know, the ball stops moving, uh, rotations, you know, are forgotten or, or don't happen and, and the talking stops. So they've got to be locked in. I mean, not a, not an easy task on the second night of a back-to-back on the road. You mentioned playing a, an opponent like Memphis. Uh, they're they're going to have to bring all of their game mentally and physically, I think. Yeah, Clifford, after the game against Orlando, said this, if we break the lineup, we've got to execute. I don't mind guys missing shots, but we've got to know what we're doing out there. If you're not in the right spot in this league, You've got no shot, and that's what happened in the third quarter. So the Hornets have to know where they are against this Memphis second unit. The the Grizzlies won their game Saturday against the Houston Rockets, a team that beat the Hornets, even though Mike Connolly scored eight points and Marcus Gasol hit one shot. So, yes, we're previewing this Memphis game without talking about Mike Connolly, who uh, a max-level player, uh, one of the most expensive contracts in the league, one of the one of the better point guards in the the Western Conference, and then Marcus Saul, who just does so many crafty things, not only with his with his ability to hit outside shots and his ability to to play high low, but his screening uh, is for a guy his size, big, his ability to screen guy. and then rescreen so quickly can take multiple players out of a play. The Hornets are going to have to make sure that they are in the groove. One last comment here from Rich, who disagrees with me on the offensive numbers that the Hornets could put up this season. He says, I hear you, Doug, but this is why you're wrong. Nick Batum makes people's shots easier. Scoring will go up by five points. Okay, I hear you, Rich, and and I'll give you something from Dwight Howard that he said after the game against Orlando that might uh, might play to your point in the second half of the season. He said, it's a lot of hard work to be able to find the right angle to be able to give somebody like Kemba just an inch to where you can get to the basket, easy layup, or find me at the rim and finding three-point shooters. Once we master that, we develop that great chemistry off the pick and roll, things will be hard for teams to guard. So that quote goes to this idea that they're really just getting started figuring out how to play with with Dwight Howard. Oh, yeah. Kemba said after the game, like, I had to tell Dwight, give me some time to figure this out. Right. Like, be patient with me. And, and they're going to have to do the same thing when Nick returns in mid-December. I think you're going to see an adjustment period throughout December and into January. I don't think that we're going to see the full offensive potential to this team until February. That's why I say it's a trend, only because I think when the averages shake out, I don't think the Hornets are going to max out their offensive capabilities until February. And that's pretty late into the year with the season starting this early. So that's a that's all... That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. This is a good show. We got to a lot. This went long, but there was a weekend of action to cover. 
Thanks for joining us here on Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Tell your friends. That's the biggest thing. we got to get the word out about this podcast. It's the best Hornets talk you can find anywhere. I know you guys watching us live agree. I know you listen to the podcast. You listen for a reason, so share it with a Hornets fan. Tell them about the best Hornets talk they can find anywhere. And uh, shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We always love to hear from you. We're back again tomorrow with a recap of this game against the Memphis Grizzlies. For David, I'm Doug saying go Hornets, go America, beat the Grizzlies. Let's swarm Charlotte.